Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. This is a live online discussion of ancient yogic texts amongst meditation practitioners in the Shambhavananda yoga tradition. My name is Acharya Satyam, a resident teacher at Konalani Yoga Ashram in Hawaii, and I welcome you with love and respect. So, this week we are going to pick up a you know we're gonna we're gonna discuss what we what was brought up last week but i'd like to expand on it a little bit as we review it setting us up for our discussion if that's all right so i'd like to start by um saying that last week i had the um i guess honor of being able to have a sangha class right before you know Panchganapati or Christmas or whatever holiday you know you fancy and uh, I thought that was pretty special and now we've got New Year's coming up and we have a New Year's meditation intensive coming up so it's even double uh, of course amazing um wanted to start by with a with a funny statistic that you may or may not um relate to did you know that only nine to twelve percent of uh, people keep their New Year's resolutions? Nine to twelve percent. At first, I was like, "Oh, that's depressing," and I think that was like the intention of the statistic. It was sort of like written like that. But then I was like, "Wait a minute!" So you're telling me one out of ten people actually change for good every New Year's? And I thought that was pretty impressive. I was like, "Wow, one out of ten people." says they're going to change, sticks to it, and something changes forever, that's actually amazing. Because I think as a yogi, we have a um, unique relationship with change. Uh, We really um, take it to heart, first of all. Uh, We sort of realize how challenging it is. Uh, And we I I would say, uh, from my perspective as a yogi, and I think we share this, we have sort of a... a deep respect and admiration for it. And we don't take it lightly. I mean, just the idea of sitting every day and making a time to sit will literally having that little space in your life affects every other thing you do in your day. You know, oh, I need to get to bed a little earlier. That means I need to eat dinner a little earlier. That means I need to do this and this and that and that more efficiently. Um, And then even within our space on the cushion, like the idea of coming back to a mantra or coming back to the breath of, of changing your awareness. We're even more aware of how deeply challenging and also rewarding that experience is, you know, so new year's is really a, a powerful yogic experience. It's something that yogis really, I feel like, um, well, I know Rudy, Swami Rujananda, took it very seriously, worked towards a transformation. Um, and so I think all of us are probably feeling that. So I wanted to just take some time to not only recall last week's work, but also to sort of put this spin on it about how last week's work about this idea of seeing Shiva uh, without any limitation of form and how Shiva and our true nature is an experience, not a thought, how that relates to this idea of change, because that's exactly what I think will will help us as we seek to change. So you probably read this by now. This is from the Guru Gita, uh, line 118. And 
please feel free to chant along with me. Swayam tata vedo bhutva statayam yacha kuchachit kita brahmarho vatacha dhyanam bhavati tajasham. It feels so good to chant the Gita, and it reminds you, like, wait a minute, we do know Sanskrit. We might struggle sometimes when we're reading the sutras, but we're pretty good at this, I think. Um, so the translation, just as a larva transforms into a bee, similarly, through meditation, what is transformed into that state in which one may abide anywhere? Oops. And then, I apologize, there's a little bit of a typo. Um Something got cut off. Uh, that that second line is a is a part of a different thing. I'll figure that out with you in a second. So it's supposed to stop at the anywhere part. So the Guru Gita describes change not on a superficial level, but at a very deep level, metamorphosis kind of level. One thing doesn't change everything changes and that's the change we're seeking as we seek to change from our small self into our true nature because isn't that what we're trying to do we're trying to change from our small self to our true nature we're trying to become shiva or become our true nature and so for that to happen it's not going to happen on the surface it's going to have to happen all the way through like a caterpillar changing into a butterfly, you know, for example. And when we look back on last week's class, verses 14 through 17 in the preface to the Vigyana Bhairava, um, we see uh, a, a similar story. There's a very similar concept being presented to us. We see that um, this state that we're seeking is beyond the limitations of space, time, and form. Uh, it has no time, no form, no space. It is beyond that, beyond these three. It is beyond the apprehension of thought. So the change that we're really seeking is not going to come from our head. We can't even comprehend what we're wanting to change into. The caterpillar cannot comprehend a butterfly. It can't even say, I want to become a butterfly. It doesn't, it's impossible for it to comprehend that. So this is because uh, Jai Deva Singh went on to say um, that thoughts are limited. Our ability to think of how we want to change or how to become are limited because thoughts in the mind, he said, are um, relational. But reality is non-relational, meaning to have a thought of this object, I look at this object and I separate it from everything else. Well, if all the mind can do is separate things and differentiate things, it's going to have a really tough time comprehending that which is not separate, that which is unified, right? Um, and Jaideva Singh went on to say, it is when we cling to the part that we miss the whole, and that's when we stumble. When we cling to the part, that's when we miss the whole.
Patanjali also described this well, which didn't make it to the slide, so I'm just going to say it for you. I apologize. He says, through self-inquiry, the practitioner gains insight, but eventually all mental logic, he says, and this is the key, must come to an end in bliss. Following that is the comprehension that all is the self, yoga. Through self-inquiry, we gain insight. But eventually that insight, that logic, must come to an end in bliss if we are to actually comprehend the whole. So the mind has trouble comprehending the whole. We have trouble comprehending the butterfly we want to become, this butterfly we can call Bhairava or Shiva or our true nature. It just We just don't have the words. We don't have the form. It's literally in the very nature of change, not, not possible. That's not how it happens, per se. So we're getting told all this so we don't waste our time with that, so that we put our effort in a different direction, you know, um, not into the technique, but into the state of being the technique is, is, is pointing us towards. And that's where um, last week's work concluded um, was uh, these final verses. Uh, let me summarize this before we get too carried away in these words here. That we're seeking a direct experience, a state of being. Now, if, if, if the caterpillar can't comprehend the butterfly, Parvati asks, so to speak, and I'm putting my own slant on this, uh, then how can we as caterpillars become a butterfly, our true nature? How, how, are we gonna, how do we do that? If we can't comprehend it, no one can tell you how to do it. No one can point you quite there. Uh, and Shiva responds, um, if you can get your mind to be very calm, if you can become completely free of all thoughts, then your true nature will just naturally rise up. You know, we all know the analogy of the surface of the water. It's got all these, you know, uh, waves on it, all these thought waves. Those thought waves calm down. Suddenly you see the life within the fish and the coral below. Or, Shiva goes on to say, um, if you can rid yourself of the ego, if you can surrender your attachment to your thoughts, uh, to the comings and goings, to the likes and dislikes, that will also take you to a direct experience of your true nature. Um, so if you can calm the mind or if you can surrender, you know, the comings and goings, that'll, that's how we do it. That's how the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Not by necessarily saying like, this is what a butterfly is, and these are the qualities I want to become. But actually, by getting out of the way and allowing this transformation to take place, it seems to me. And then the verse 17 concluded uh, with a description of what this might feel like. Uh, the state of Bhairava, which is this true nature we're seeking to become, uh, which is full of the bliss of non-difference from the entire universe, meaning full of unity, the bliss of non-difference, full of unity, is alone by Rava. So the state of unity is alone by Rava. Not the thought, because the thought is only going to be partial. Not the technique, but the actual state. That's the only thing, it seems to me, maybe for you, 
that Shiva is saying that's the only thing that we're after, and that's the only thing that is worth, you know, focusing on and becoming. Lakshmanju takes a moment to explain this in his own words. And this is where I'll need a reader because this is a new quote. Kat, would you be able to read for us if I pull it up? Cool. This is Lakshmanju's comment on that last moment. Let's see, I'm on my iPad. It's a little hard. Yeah. Uh, in other words, you can't find out what is the real state of Bhairava because the real state of Bhairava is, in fact, the real state of the knower. It can be found because it is the finder. The real state of Bhairava is the perceiver. It is not perceived. You cannot perceive that state when there is a desire in you to perceive it. You can perceive it only when it comes down in the state of Bhairavi. Thank you. Right. So the state of the knower, it can't be found because it's the finder. It can't be perceived because it's the perceiver. And it sort of has to come to you. You know, that might be one way of even, you know, realizing like that metamorphosis, that metamorphosis uh, for it to occur has to come to the caterpillar it's the caterpillar is not in there changing its dna right or i don't know if that's the process it's not in there changing itself it's it the change is coming to it you know but um essentially the caterpillar is deeply surrendering and i know that the metaphor it eventually stretches thin here um with a conscious activity and more or less an unconscious one uh, but nonetheless, we can derive something from it, that there's a receptivity, a state of surrender that uh, seems to allow or seems to be the key ingredient in allowing this change to take place. And recently in Babaji's, uh, oh, and then to conclude, the Jayadeva Singh was saying uh, this, this very uh, concept is Shambhava Yoga, though it cannot be described, it can be experienced. And I feel like that's what Babaji was teaching this week uh, when he, well, for me, what, what I got from it uh, was at Monday night when he very specifically had us all, you know, there was a couple of questions asked that had to do with like, how do I change this part of myself? How do I change this thing? And he said, okay, uh, here we go, you know, uh, turn your attention inside and bring your attention to your heart and sort of feel where that tension is or that that space is you want to change and then he had us breathe in naturally and try to really surrender deeply within that space within that experience And he emphasized that this is the only way to, to enact change. This is the, you know, the most efficient and effective way. Instead of trying to change your external, change your internal. Again, something we're very aware of as yogis, something that gives us a deep respect for the process of change.
just to conclude here, uh, there's a fun holiday movie that we recently watched together as a sangha, actually watching on Panchaganapati or Christmas Day, you know, and um, it, it oddly did tap into this theme. And I was like, oh, well, great, that's really fun. Do people really change? I mean, real, lasting, positive change? I sure hope so, because we are in the business of change. Um, there was basically an angelic character that was trying to uh, help a Scrooge-like character change their ways. And um, and as the story evolved, this isn't a spoiler. It's actually, you know, you find out pretty quick. I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, the uh, angelic character had to change themselves, had to change themselves in order to really reach this Scrooge-like character. Like they had the change and that their inner change actually affected this Scrooge-like character. That was the only thing that it seemed could reach this Scrooge character. Um, and so I was, you know, just noticing it that like, oh, okay, yeah, change never comes from the outside in. Not only can we not change someone else, we can't even change ourselves from the outside in. Change always comes from the inside out. Um, that's that was the movie there. Um, change always comes from the inside out, even when you're trying to help someone else. You change inside and it helps someone else, you know, and especially, of course, ourselves. So this metamorphosis to bring it back to this concept, which we saw at the very beginning um, of a larva transforming into a bee or a caterpillar into a, a butterfly. That's really what we're trying to do, you know, New Year's and, and every day. We all want to change into our true nature. Um, and and hopefully uh, we can take some time now. We're going to sit for just a minute or two together, and then we'll write for a minute or two, and then we'll share uh, about sort of your experience with this material. So we'll take a second to... Um, to just work inside very simply, I'll guide a little bit. You're welcome to adjust your seat. And just as Babaji, you know, was instructing us in, in my simplified, you know, memory and retelling of it, to allow your awareness to uh, redirect towards the heart. And, and maybe you have something you want to change about yourself could be practical or bigger and and just sort of noticing where that is inside of you it's usually like a little bit of a knot somewhere and then just bringing the light of your awareness through your breath to that space in the heart with each inhale and with, with each exhale really allowing that space to dissolve and expand. No matter what it is, you know, this is how we affect it. Now remember this isn't spiritual bypassing. We're not we're not 
ignoring something by doing this is actually the most energetic, the most foundational way of acknowledging what we want to change and enacting change because we're feeling it. We're feeling where it is in us. And then we're bringing our awareness there without judgment, without pushing or pulling. This is a very unique and personal experience. No one knows what you're working on or where it is in you. So just another minute on your own. And we'll transition. Oops, sorry about the startling sound there. If that just started coming through, we'll transition into writing. Take two minutes to um, write about your experience of change, how to, how you look at that, or perhaps another angle on the suture that affected you. sort of conclude the thought that you're on. And taking a moment to reread, underlining what stands out to you, what felt real about what you wrote, and we'll drop a few keywords or phrases in the chat box. I'm 
fade out the music in a second, but I just want to know is is that you can hear me over it? Okay, cool. Thanks. effort release tension trust the universe that could be like the bumper sticker of a cocoon union of mind body spirit Softening and releasing. Finding compassion for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Trusting that ch that change is a gift. Witness the process. From a sense of alienation to the same sense being a useful unattachment. Hmm. Anything y'all want me to say? You can't make it happen. Nice. All right. Uh, any one of those would be really fascinating to hear about, but uh, could I, Kamala, could I call on you for um, a little uh, extrapolation of your comment? Just maybe I think this is the first time you're calling on you, so I hope that's all right. If you want to just see, you can just uh, expand on your comment, just sort of let us know how that's going. Sure. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, great. In your, yeah, okay. in, your, in your very lush terrarium shrine. <laughs> I love it. Um, I've just, since coming to this practice, I've connected a lot with the bodhicitta practice and um, finding compassion for all sentient beings has always kind of uh, been something I've been working for. And I've like always neglected to find that compassion for myself first mm -hmm. and going through a lot of change recently. Um, that's something that I really am going to try to work a little bit harder on going nice. forward. Thanks Kamala. Yeah, this sort of, um, it there's a part of a I don't, I'm gonna speak for myself. There's a part of me when I hear like, um, oh, fill yourself with the medicine Buddha light first, or feel compassion for yourself first. There's a part of me that um, sort of overlooks that quickly because I feel like, oh, I've only got this limited amount of time. I want to focus on this person or that person to help them out. Uh, and I and I think that carries over into our life. That's probably you know how I might be operating on a daily basis too. 
And then we get these reminders about like, make my call them like self-care. And, you know, sometimes it, it like, we don't know what to do with that, but it's really interesting to look at it through the lens that you brought up. Um, that when we, when we look in the, in the sutras and the teachings like this, that that's actually where it has to begin. It sort of needs to go in that direction first to become as effective as we think it will be. That if it goes out first, it seems, just from what you've been saying and what we've been reading, um, it, it, it won't be as effective. It'll almost be the equivalent of like a technique compared to like a state of being. You know, but if we if we go in first, if we if we can actually feel that compassion first, it seems like the nectar, even if it's just one drop, uh, seems like it will be a very different experience for both ourselves, obviously, but also for those we we wish to support. So it makes it instead of it just being like, oh, it'll be you should do this or that's a good way to do it. It's almost like no, it's sort of that's the steps it needs to take. Thanks, Kamala. Uma, my eyes keep sort of gravitating to you. Maybe it's because it's the first time I've seen you in a little bit. Please, would you like to comment? And then the floor will be open. I'm sorry I'm not giving that space yet. But um, Yeah, I guess what it made me think about is that like the caterpillar can't even imagine what a butterfly is. And like the same goes for us. Like if we try to like lay out our future, you know, it's like we only are limited to like what we know and like the information that we have right now, you know. So it's like we don't know what we could become. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it feels like it's so easy to put our energy into the form of what we would visualize. And and when we take away that form, it's like we've got this excess of energy we don't really know how to direct. You know, but I feel like that's that directing your awareness towards this formless space, it seems to be one way of understanding what it is we're practicing. Like, yeah, it's not easy to direct your awareness towards formlessness, that no one's saying it's easy. In fact, maybe we're saying like, that's what we're here to practice. That's actually, it is challenging, but of course it's incredibly fruitful, you know, once it's, uh, once that pathway is discovered, but it's not necessarily automatic or even doesn't even make sense at first. All right, floor is wide open. Thanks for everybody's patience. Anyone else who wants to, you know, comment or expand on what they what they wrote or what they heard? I said in the chat, in chat um, witness the process because I tend to be very hands-on when, I mean, you were talking about the new years and resolutions and things like that. And I think I tend to be very like, 
okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it. And I'm like, I'm down to it. And I'm going to be that 1%. I mean, not that one part of that 10% that's going to stick to it. And, you know, it, for certain things it's good, but when you are talking about spiritual practice, it's probably not the best because, you know, it's a lot of doership into that and a lot of energy lost. And this year I wanted to change a pattern, right? And it got in my mind, like, I'm going to change this. This is a bad pattern. It's been yeah. bad for me for so long. I'm going to, this is, I'm going to change this. This is the year I am done with this, right? <laughs> Which, you know, and looking back, it's just kind of silly, but I, that's the way I felt. It's like, this is it. I'm going to do it. And then, as you know, putting lots of energy into it. And, and then I asked Babaji one Monday night, it's like, well, I have this pattern and I've been, how do you work with a deep rooter pattern like this? How do you? He totally did not even comment on the fact that I talked about a pattern. He just said, gotta focus on your mantra, focus on your practice, focus on, yeah, focus on, on your on the mantra that you're using. And he didn't even talk about patterns or anything, which I wanted to hear. And so I go home and was like, okay, I'm just gonna not think about this anymore. <laughs> I'm going to let it go and just, yeah, just think about, you know, focus on the practice and it just liberated me greatly. Like, yes, I'm not over it, but it doesn't hold this very strong thing over me. And it's almost like just witnessing myself little by little unraveling from it, but not necessarily from I am going to do it perspective, but I'm more like, as you said before, going inside and working inside instead of manipulating the outside. So sometimes I find myself myself witnessing the process of working with this situation and just I see it dissolve a little bit without working directly mm. in it. So I don't know if it's clear what I'm trying to say, but it was just Babaji said that, said it without saying it. You know, he was just like, disregard that. It's just mm -hmm. focus on your practice. That's what you got to do. Yeah. That was useful. Thank you. It was a very useful sort of comment in, in sharing. Yeah, it's so fascinating how I'm right there with you on the feeling of, well, I can change anything. Like, I can change any. There's this feeling that's like, well, if I'm willing to just do whatever it takes, then I can change this thing. And it reminds me of that story, that Zen story from a few classes ago with the individuals like, how do I become a swordsman? How long will it take? What if I put all my energy into it? Could I do it in this amount of time? And then the teacher was like, like the only way I'm going to teach you how to become a swordsman is if you stop talking about becoming a swordsman and you learn how to do the dishes and garden and greet people at the office and, you know, weed and all the things you do in 
you know, that they teach in the ashram, for example. And, uh, and that that was the path that, uh, that that teacher, you know, used to teach this individual. And it seems like a very similar teaching that, you know, Babaji gave you, where it's like, instead of saying, I want to become a swordsman, we can just replace that with, I want to drop this certain habit. How do I drop this certain habit? And it's like, whoa, okay. We got to find the whole rest of your life that we got to improve. We got to bring something to everything else you're doing. And then that will just slowly, it seems to be like the stories and the teachings say, it seems like that will slowly dissolve somehow on its own. Um, but it's just like so hard for our mind to, to grasp. In fact, it, to be perfectly honest, it seems outside of the mind's capacity to grasp such a thing because the mind can only think of change as far as I can tell. And please feel free to raise your hand and comment, you know, in this direct way, this is what I want to change. And I don't know if the mind can comprehend change this uh, by doing everything but that. I don't know. Oh, Yogita, please. Well, what I've experienced through many, many years is that I can't do it with my will. I remember that um, I would spend summers at Shoshone and, and intensives, and, and we would have this good discipline of getting up in the morning and doing the Guru Gita, and I would come home and go, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And it lasts for a while, but it didn't. But when I connected with Tara, now she helps me get up in the morning. It's connecting with that energy. You got can't do it on your own. I mean, this is what I've experienced. You've got to connect with the energy from a deity or a guru, and then they'll do it for you. Anyway. Nice. More to come this weekend. <laughs> you're always so humble about that you're like i made this big transition and we'll see and you seem like you just maintain that i always like how you you really seem to maintain that the same energy uh you know like you're like steady steady and you know there's ups and downs uh, i've always admired that about your attitude I'm pretty upset right now that my TV rock is not working and they can't fix it until January the 5th. <laughs> All right. Sounds but like now, an intense. Well, I, I was, yeah, <laughs> I was tense about it. Now I'm laughing about it. <laughs> so. Right on. Yeah. Asking for help. Uh, again, another thing that I feel like the mind can't grasp I don't know, maybe, maybe help me out here if you see another path through this, but it, it seems like asking for help would mean like nothing's going to change. Uh, I'll just have to sit here and wait. Hopefully something changes, but we all know asking for help, like the way Rudy teaches it, um, is anything but that. It's a very active process of, of what, you know, it's an active process of directing your energy in this unique direction that appears to be pretty formless, right? You're asking for help. Your energy is actually moving in this direction. But what direction is that? You don't know because you're asking for help. You're like, I don't know, you know, yet you're able to direct your energy. And that to me seems like just the kind of 
path that um, the Guru Gita is describing, that the Vigyana Bhairava is describing, that Baba Ji is describing, uh, this way of actually directing energy that remains relatively formless, but yet is focused. Any final comments or questions? Uh, we have a we have a scooter uh, coming up at Shoshone, so I'll try to give you some time there. Uh, to figure out the system. Speaking of scooching, everybody can uh, use this time to, you know, adjust their seat and prepare for the next phase of class. But we'll give Shoshone a minute to. You hear us up, Shoshone? Hey, I can hear you. Hi. Hi. Oh. Oh. oh, yeah, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's just faint, but go for it. Okay. Um, something Yogita said and some uh, something I've heard before is that one needs a guru in order to find enlightenment. Um, something that's gone through my consciousness lately, and this could be misguided, but is that one does not need permission to be enlightened that it can just be um, and I don't know if that's misguided or not there are times where I feel I'm headed in that direction that could also be because I've been coming to Shoshone <laughs> um, for years now and that has initiated something in me that I've not had before, which is certainly the case. Um, but um, it is formless, as you say, though. I don't know. I, I guess I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, mm -hmm. There are times I feel I do need direction. There are times I feel I don't. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's very insightful just to be able to recognize about your this inner process that is oftentimes pretty abstract and uh, aligns very well with with this uh, approach that the Vigyana Bhairava and the Shiva Sutras concluded with as well, which is saying that um, we need technique to, and it named a few different reasons, like uh, to calm a really busy externalized mind, to keep us pointed in the right direction, to give us goals to strive towards, et cetera. But um, we can't stop at technique. Uh, we have to go beyond. We have to use that and then go beyond. And so there are times when, you know, all the practitioners in this room, I'm sure have experienced this, when, when I need to do a very simple practice. I need direction and I need help. <laughs> and, you know, um, and there are other times when it feels like I just want to meditate. It's a natural state. It's delicious. And I couldn't imagine life without it. And there's barely any um, direction needed. It's very intuitive. So yeah. Um, and that's exactly sort of what 
in my opinion, this preface the Vigyana Bhairava is is really talking about it saying technique has a place in all of our practice from time to time, you know, especially at the beginning, but also throughout the many cycles of ups and downs we go through. But that that does not encapsulate the totality of what we're talking about when we say a practice. We're not talking about a technique. We're actually talking about uh, this very intuitive, formless space where we still are very participatory, yet it's in a way that the we don't know how to define with words. You know, it's an active state of surrender, you know, that we're really there for, um, yet it does not seem to resemble the ways we participate in our normal day-to-day activities. So hopefully that helps and gives, you know, some direction uh, and f- please feel free to work with that and uh, and we can talk about it at the next class or always available via email as well. So thank you for that question. All right, so hopefully everybody's um, shuffled a little bit and um, you can sit for the remaining 15 minutes comfortably. So we can imagine ourselves almost in that initial state of the caterpillar. And just remind yourself, as we, I remind myself, the, the state I'm seeking is not going to come from the mind. It's not going to be graspable by the mind. It's going to be a very different experience. We're not expecting light shows here, but we're expecting to interact with a part of ourself that is not just your thinking mind. We want to interact with a part of ourself that is subtler than this. And so to begin with, with the, the physical experience, for example, Allow yourself to rock a little gently forward and back or side to side. Just a little bit of this buoyant movement. And you can feel like there's my physical body. Like, oh, I'm affecting my physical body. I'm doing this. This is change that I am enacting. And it's pointed in the right direction, right? This is the technique of sitting still. Begins with this subtle uh, oscillating movement. And then that oscillating movement becomes subtler and subtler. And ideally, you take enough time with the slowing of that movement that you can actually feel the transition from doing something to your body to arriving in a state of balance. This state of balance is a formless space of the body. This is the equivalent of formlessness at the physical level. And you can feel the lack of form. Ideally, there is almost an invisibility to your body here in this balanced seat. 
Now, occasionally you'll need to move a little and just do so consciously and then try to, again, move less and less until you can experience a formless state of the body, stillness. Now, committing to stillness is sort of similar to the one thought that actually can take you to Shiva. The text says there's one thought that is unlike any other thought. It's a thought that actually is not limited. It's the thought, I am Shiva. Now, on a physical level, when you commit to stillness, when you commit to the path of stillness, meaning you're not going to move because you want to, you're going to hold stillness as your goal. That thought will not limit you. I am stillness. That effort will not limit you. It's so easy to move. It's so easy but it's so rewarding not to. Just a short period of time. From this space of stillness, direct your attention to your breath flow. I enjoy focusing on the exhale first, and then just letting the inhale naturally come in. And just letting that exhale be ever so slightly emphasized without any strain or any tension, just the, just the slightest emphasis so that you know you're exhaling each time. And then the inhale flows in naturally. 
The natural breath is also without form. It's not an inhale or an exhale based pranayama. It's simply the pulsation of life force. And it is an experience, not a thought or a technique, though it may begin there. So smoothing out the breath is, is okay. It's where I start, it's where I don't know anywhere else to start. But as you're able to smooth the breath and steady the mind a little bit, experiment with using just a little less effort with each breath you take. Let yourself relax and get out of the way a little bit more with each breath, not all at once.
Imagine yourself for these last few minutes in your cocoon, in this formless space of transformation. And instead of directing the mind to form, we fully embrace this experience. With each inhale, the breath can flow towards the heart. And with each exhale, we just expand at the level of the heart. And from here, the experience of being a butterfly, so to speak, is what comes to us. It's the literal experience of, of feeling a little bit different than you did before class of walking out of your shrine in a few minutes with a renewed spirit or with a little bit more energy, a little bit lighter weight on the shoulders, so to speak. You know, these are, these are the butterfly essence. And so with that, we can conclude. Namaste. Thanks, everyone, for your focus and awareness and for your sharing. Um, next week, we'll have class with Devananda and Tashi, and um, that'll be fun. It's going to be a teaching moments presentation, and then we'll be back to pick up where we left off in a couple weeks. We got the intensive coming up this weekend, and if the new year um, relates to you wanting to dive a little bit deeper into your practice, uh, just know that we've got a lot of uh, we've got a level one, upper level, and med level one all coming up in the next month or two here online. So uh, we'd love to be a part of your journey. 
All right, I'll stop there. So thanks everyone again. Have a great intensive. See you soon. <laughs>